Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely. Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry. Well, hold on to your hat here because that's exactly what Van Hack has done. Shelly, picture this a closed community of pre verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true? Well, not anymore. Van Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process. And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams, listen up. Van Hack's introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and Van Hack handles all the nitty-gritty details of immigration and relocation. So can you imagine, Serge? The applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table. Shelly, every time I walk into an office, I get applause. But that's not all. (laughs) The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate, and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, Van Hack is leading the charge. Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out vanhack.com today. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm flying solo today without Shelly, but I do have a special guest. I'm very pleased to welcome Reno Perry, CEO of Wiseful, to the show. Serge, thanks so much for having me. Reno, when I saw your name and started digging in, 200,000 followers on LinkedIn, I was pretty impressed. Tell me a little bit how you got to 200,000 followers. Yeah, it's wild to think about. I don't really think about it until people bring it up because I just keep putting out content. But it it is crazy to think, oh, wow, 200,000 people follow me and was never anticipating anything like that. Honestly, I just, I mean, I feel like a lot of people have this story, especially in the career space. But in 2020, when the pandemic hit and everyone was starting to lose their jobs, that was the impetus for me to go you know what, I am sitting on this treasure trove of information. I do career coaching. I feel like I can help people. And I just started writing about the things I was doing with my career Mm -hmm. coaching clients and putting it out into the ether. And it's just started to slowly get some traction. So I've been writing now for, what is that, three coming on four years. And it's not a hack or anything like that. (laughs) I've just been going at it for a long time and slowly building. So Reno, one of the interesting thing with any guests that I bring on, especially in this space, I really like to hear the story of how they got into the HR tech, HR space. And I'm curious if you're like everyone else, you kind of fell into it. So tell me a little bit of your background, how you got to this point. I think kind of fell into it is the way I would put it. So my first foray into the HR tech world was my experience working at LinkedIn. And I 
at the time was really passionate about LinkedIn. I knew it was a top company on my list. I knew what they were doing. I knew the potential that they had in the TA HR tech space. Even though it is a professional network, they do sell tools to TA teams. So you can lump them in there. But that was my first experience into HR tech, the world of TA recruiting. And I just absolutely loved it. I knew that they had a lot of potential as a company in a space, but having worked at LinkedIn for four years really cemented that and Mm. exposed me to recruiters, to companies, to hiring teams. I was working with all these folks and it was pretty cool to offer up a solution like LinkedIn and work with those teams to help them bring some amazing talent in the door. And that just continued from there. And eventually I started my own company in the space. So LinkedIn, I'm really curious, when did you work at LinkedIn? What time frame? This was from 2014 to 2018. And I was also there when Microsoft had acquired LinkedIn. A lot of interesting stuff going on during those four years. LinkedIn is one of those companies that we're all curious about, right? Give us some insights of how it is to work at LinkedIn. What's the culture like? What was your experience there? It was a really special time. I'll say when I worked there. And I don't know uh, how many folks you've talked to who maybe used to work at LinkedIn, but everyone I talk to always talks about how it was just such a unique company at a unique place and time. And transformative, I think, is a word that I hear that comes up a lot. It was a really awesome experience, awesome people to work for. I'm trying to find a bad thing to say about (laughs) when I worked there, but I credit it to so much of what I do now. And I will say that I was spoiled there, I'll be honest, because they not only had an awesome product, but they would really roll out the red carpet for employees in terms of benefits. They would feed you breakfast and you had lunch and all kinds of perks. They really were one of the first companies I worked for that embraced this idea of employee first, flexibility in the workplace, really valuing things like culture. And that was the standard that I became to know and talk about even in my content on LinkedIn. And it's really become now a a movement that a lot of companies have started to adopt and thought leaders talk about. So that's really the high level, but I I really enjoyed the the time working there. I worked for Indeed for a while and uh, there was a lot of crossover employees from LinkedIn that had come over. And I have not heard a negative story about anyone working in LinkedIn. So kudos to you, LinkedIn. Uh, Definitely your your culture has has shown true to the employees even after they leave. But to talk about Wiseful, I'm just curious what Wiseful is, what problem are you trying to solve? Can you give me some insights on the company itself? Yeah, I I always like to think about the things I'm doing in my career as recognizing opportunity where people don't see it yet. I think my time working at LinkedIn was that, even creating content on LinkedIn early. But Wiseful was also one of those things as well, where during my time at LinkedIn, I did notice a gap. And one of the biggest gaps was there are all of these communities that were popping up online that Mm -hmm. weren't really being tapped into. And I recognized that there was an opportunity there to tap into those communities to help connect the members of those communities to jobs at companies. And that was one thing that when I was at LinkedIn, I thought there was an opportunity for LinkedIn to better better harness. And that was the premise of Wiseful was how do we tap into all of these communities, the rise of the creator economy, people spending more time on apps? How do we tap into that for recruiting purposes. And I remember in 2020 when there was just an explosion of 
the creator economy. People were staying home, you remember, and all they were doing was spending more time online. Absolutely insane in terms of how much time people were spending on apps like Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. And we saw that and recognized, okay, this is huge. What can we do to leverage that time people are spending? Because they don't necessarily like going to job boards and hanging out in all these other places, but they are hanging out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, they're on Reddit. And so we built a solution that really meets people where they are in their environment of those apps and leverages creators and people who are in charge of communities on those apps to promote those jobs. Mm-hmm. So that was how Wiseful was born, was really looking at what was happening in 2020. But even though that we're out of the pandemic, I'll say the cat was out of the bag at that point. People are continuing to spend more time online. Creator economy is still booming. And so we're still tapping into that. How does it work on the employer side? So how does a company engage with you? Tell me a little bit more of what actually is involved from day one, new prospect, new client signs up. How does it work? So we try to really simplify this process for employers because it is a new concept and companies don't know, okay, what is the creator economy? Who's a good creator to work with? Essentially, when a company comes to us, our high level pitch in terms of what they're able to do is take your jobs and talent brand and promote them into these communities simultaneously to then get talent back into your funnel. For them, it's a unique way to promote their talent brand authentically in these communities to tap into the trust of these creators. But they're also getting really high quality talent because a lot of the communities and creators we work with tend to be more professional creators. So they have people in their audience that are looking to learn and get better in their career. And so we've seen that translate to higher quality talent. So that's what they're getting out of it. And it's pretty simple to work with us. Similar to Indeed you brought up or even LinkedIn, they come in, they share their jobs, they're able to post them online or in a portal, but it works on the back end where we take those jobs and then automatically determine what are the best communities for those jobs for your brand so that you get the best return in terms of those candidates that come through. Yeah, content creators or the creator economy is definitely taking over. And we see it in every part from B2B to B2C. We have not really seen it at a a large amount in the talent space. Do you foresee this changing? What trend do you see here? Uh, I I will say uh, I'm biased, of course. So I will say yes, yes, (laughs) based on the work we do. But you brought up a good point, creator economy. It's pretty early days in terms of leveraging it for recruitment purposes. A a good corollary for people to think about what we're doing is very similar to the influencer marketing strategies or market that exists today, where marketing teams will go and work with an agency or they'll reach out to a lifestyle influencer and they will try to get them to promote their product. That is a multi-billion dollar industry. Our bet is that type of concept for recruiting can also be a multi-billion dollar industry in a way that recruiting itself is already a huge, massive industry. So we're looking at the intersection of both those things. And that's what gets us excited about how this could work for recruiting as well. But it is early days and we are seeing some good traction. I hope that trend continues. And in five, 10 years, this will be a pretty common thing that people are doing. No, personally, I love it. And I'm a little bit biased as well, being in the podcast game. 
So I, I do foresee it taking over talent space as well. I'm just trying to figure out like who are going to be those influencers or are they career coaches that have a large following or are they generally people that work within that company that have a large following? What's your thoughts on how companies should manage their employees being somewhat micro influencers? It's a good question that I think uh, 99.9% of companies haven't figured out. I'm not quite sure I have figured that out as well. I I have some thoughts on it based on what I've seen work and and not work. The first part is understanding which of your employees have influence because influence doesn't necessarily mean you're a mega influencer with millions or hundreds of thousands of followers. You may have a core group of a thousand or a couple thousand people that read your newsletter and all those people in that newsletter are relevant candidates or customers, yeah. depending on how you use it. And so that that can be enough. So I think identifying those spheres of influence is the first step that a company needs to do. Much harder if you're a big company, but having programs and initiatives that identify that would be where I would focus my time first. And then the second piece would be enabling them to post content in a way that still satisfies the way that they post content and the way that they like to do it but also helps the company out at the same time. It it is a tricky line to balance because where I've seen this fail, people feel like they're voluntold to do something or companies then put guardrails up and it just doesn't feel authentic. And that's the worst thing you can do as a creator is start putting out inauthentic content and people tune out and it happens a lot. So I would recommend companies set up a strategy that looks more like an accelerator or an incubator program because there is some workshopping involved with creating content that intersects with the way that the creator typically posts so that it feels authentic and also encouraging them to continue to post everything doesn't have to be here's our white paper here's what's awesome about our company Uh, and so there are strategies for this that would be my recommendation is treat it like an accelerator program that people want to be a part of it's exclusive internally there's maybe incentives or compensation for that and I really think you'll start to see programs like this take off versus just telling people, hey, post this stuff and let's see what happens. You nailed it. I think we both agree this is the future and I think it's going to be the future and talent as well. But I, I do want to move into a couple of different things, just looking at the overall landscape of recruiting. AI is the buzzword right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been the buzzword since November last year, even though we've been working on AI for years. Chat GPT and generative AI have really changed the game. Right now, we're seeing a lot of job seekers finding tools that they're applying mm. to 300 jobs a day. And obviously, employers are leveraging in another way. At one particular point, it's going to be robots talking to robots, which I think concerns everyone. <laughs> so let's start on a job seeker side. Uh, how should they leverage AI and tools like ChatGPT? When all this AI craze started, and you're totally right, we have been investing in using AI for years now. But yeah. ChatGPT really popularized and brought it into the forefront of people's minds. And my thought with AI was always that it's inevitable. Some people will disagree with that and people will think, oh, maybe this is a fad or this isn't allowed. Everyone has their differing opinions, but I think it's just absolutely inevitable. And if you're a job seeker, my thought on this is using ChatGPT, using other AI tools, it really democratizes giving you an advantage to what was previously reserved for people who were willing to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to a career coach. And that is why I support it because now for $20 a month or free, 
you can get access to a lot of that same information and help that people who had more resources were able to do anyways for decades. And my one caveat, and this has probably been said before, is when you're using any of these tools, a lot of times they can be inaccurate. You really need to check the output and make anything your own because it still sounds robotic. I always say maybe it gets you 70, 80% of what you're looking for, but you need to really come in and make that content that it's generating your own. But it's still a huge time saver. My thought is if there's something that can help you with a lot of the menial admin tasks that have been taking you hours so that you can focus on more high impact activities like preparing for an interview or networking, then I'm all for it. That's my stance. How do you how do you feel about employers leveraging AI tools? Obviously, you've been a career coach. One of the things that there's a disagreement between recruiters and career coaches is career coaches like let us help you bypass the ATS bots. And for mm. recruiters, when we hear that, like realities. 98% of us leverage an ATS that doesn't have any AI or matching capabilities. But for now, like how should employers leverage AI in their process? Or should they? I, I go back to this. I think it's inevitable that they yeah. are going to use it and will need to use it. And a big part of that is going to be driven by what we've seen with these layoffs and recruiting teams that have been absolutely gutted, which just to put out there, you, me, I think all of us feel horrible about what recruiters and TA professionals have had to go through the last few years. Yeah. My fear is that it's not going to be as cyclical as people think, where all of a sudden we're just going to bring everybody back. You're seeing people like the CFO, the finance department have a lot more control at these companies. And what that's going to mean is there are ways we can augment what we already have with AI. Unfortunately, it does come down to numbers for those folks in those departments. So I think that's going to be a huge driving force for AI and why companies start to adopt it, even though they've already been using it. I would say one of the ways that we're seeing companies use it, I'm sure you've seen so many founders and companies with AI. There are some really useful tools out there that are doing things like summarizing interview notes for recruiters. I know that there's been conversational AI products that help bring people into the top of the funnel and capture the attention of those applicants in a way that maybe hasn't been done before, helping people looking back at interview recordings and things like that so that they're not having to remind themselves what they said to a candidate or just look at scribble notes in a notepad. So I think there's a lot of good that AI could bring to employer teams to, again, help them save time because inevitably they're going to have smaller teams and they're going to be stretched so thin that I think there's a lot of potential for AI to help the employer side of it as well. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm glad you mentioned a little bit on the recruiter layoffs. And it's a tough recruiter market out there. And not that long ago, you created an aggregation so companies can reach out to those employees. Tell me a little bit more of how that came about, where you can find it, what exactly is that list? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's been a, a project that is near and dear to my heart for a long time. So we have something called The List, which is a yeah, central layoff list of, I think right now it has over 20,000 people on it. We started this last summer when the mass layoffs at all these tech companies were continuing. I'm mm -hmm. sure everyone here remembers this, where you had small startups, you had companies like Google and Amazon, everybody was laying off in troves of, by the thousands. And it just kept going. And, and that was where 
a lot of people were shocked, myself included, was we were thinking this was going to be a 2020 short-term layoff, then everybody comes back, and it just kept happening month after month. We're still in it a little bit, although not as intense as last year. So we started this layoff list to help a lot of those folks uh, affected by layoffs get back to work. This was just a side project, really an Airtable or an Excel sheet we set up and uh, said, okay, let's see who does this. We shared this online over the months. We had over 20,000 people sign up. The remarkable thing was we had over 6,000 companies sign up to hire people from that list. We are still tracking the amount of folks that have been able to land interviews and get new jobs, but we know it's at least 6,000. And for us, it was a huge pat on the back and it was something we didn't expect to evolve into something this big, but it's something we still maintain today. And we were actually able to glean a ton of insights from that list in terms of what were happening to people after they got laid off. So overall, really exciting project that's been helping a lot of people. Kudos to you, definitely. Being out there and trying to help people get jobs, but also just trying to find how we can set up employers and employees to meet up at one particular place and it's a good fit. So really, congrats. I think that's awesome on that end. So I'm curious to hear what's coming up for Wiseful. Is there anything that you're planning? What does the next year look like for you? Yeah, ne- next year, we're going to continue pressing ahead with growing our creator base. So folks that we partner with for Wiseful, we're barely scratching the surface in terms of communities and creators that we can work with that have amazing talent in their audience that we know we can help connect to other amazing job opportunities. That'll be a focus of ours. We're actually launching a new product very shortly called newhire.ai. So continuing on the AI trend, this will also be a AI recruiting agent tool to help recruiting and hiring teams make better decisions. We ourselves are building those tools that can really help automate some processes and help out those recruiters and hiring teams. So that'll be hopefully in the next couple of months where we're going to be launching that. But that'll be our big focus over the next year. Tell me more. So it's like a co-pilot? A little bit of a co-pilot. Yep. We're in private beta. We haven't gone public with it, so I can't tell tell you too much, but it it really is a tool that we think can be used by recruiting agencies, small companies that don't maybe have big recruiting teams, even Fortune 500 massive companies that are doing volume hiring. It is a co-pilot, but it's a little bit more in the conversational AI space where we've been building this for months to a point where we think we really have something here that can change the the game completely for not just employers, but on the candidate side, creating a much better experience for them. Because I think their experience with AI tools that employers use haven't been very good. And so we looked at both sides of it to say, how, how can we make this work for both the candidate and the, the employer? So a little preview on that, but yes, very similar to a co-pilot, something that people can rely on to, to help with volume recruiting. Okay. Keep us in the loop. When you do launch, come on the show, tell us all about it. I'm going to ask you now to take out your crystal ball. No one has been able to predict anything that is going on in the labor market. Even today, reading the U.S. job numbers with almost 400,000 new jobs, just like, when is this going to collapse? It feels like it's going to collapse, but it never does. So going into next year, what do you think, first of all, the labor market's going to look like? And what do you think the recruiting market is going to look like? Taking out my crystal ball, 
Yeah. And I, I don't want to get called out on anything I predict here or say. So don't worry, I, no uh, one listens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I know what's going to happen because I, honestly, I feel like nobody can, but no. I will speak to what I n- know and see. And we talked about the layoff list a little bit earlier. So some of the data we pulled from that was pretty impressive. We looked at a data sample of over 20,000 people and of everybody who got laid off in 2022, how are they doing now? Have they been able to get new jobs? Yeah. Because that was one thing we didn't understand was what's happening to all these people who are getting laid off. We know some are getting jobs, but how are they doing? And when we looked at that data in April of this year, we found less than 50% of everybody who got laid off in 2022 had gotten a new job. And it was really didn't make us feel great because now we're four, six, nine months removed from people who got laid off in 2022. And then we looked at that data again just last month. And we have found over 80% of those people now have landed new jobs. And we're seeing that the time of people getting laid off this year to getting a new job is much shorter. And so the reason I bring that up is it gives us positive indicators that the labor market is continuing to be strong. You pointed out that jobs report that was really impressive. And I do think we will see that sustain for a good amount of time. But that would be what I'm looking at, just our data is pointing in the right direction that we're going to see at least continued strength in the labor market. Did you see any trends in that data as far as the type of occupations, demographics, anything like that kind of just stood out for you? Yeah. One interesting piece we looked into was if candidates were getting new jobs, if they were getting a job at the same or similar level, okay, yeah, or if they had to take a step down to get that Mm. job. Or maybe in some cases, get a step up. 40% were getting jobs that were the same or similar. 35% were actually getting jobs that were higher in seniority than what they had previously. Interesting. Only 25% were getting jobs that seemed like it was a potential step down or a stopgap type role. I mean, it is a high number, but generally speaking, you have... Uh, a majority that were getting similar jobs or jobs that were better than the ones that they had, which would also indicate that potentially the pay was also higher in those jobs that were higher seniority as well. That's pretty surprising, actually. I did not expect that. Because one of the things that we get confused when it comes to layoffs and we're talking about tech company is that it's actually tech folks that are getting laid off. And from what I've seen, it's been a lot of recruiters a lot of sales, a lot of marketing, a lot of support, but not a lot of software devs or QA or have you seen that with your layoff list or are you seeing a mixture? We saw a lot of software devs actually get laid off. After sales and recruiting, we saw software engineers as the other major group that was seeing layoffs. And it's surprising to a lot of people, but when we were talking to hiring managers and and companies and teams, they were seen as a cost center that as they were trying to consolidate, there were a lot of these projects they were working on that were just being completely shut down or were just becoming too large of an expense to the company. So inevitably they were just let go. So we were very surprised to see that as well, but they were a pretty large group, believe it or not, in addition to the, the classic recruiters or sales folks that you always see who have been impacted. It's interesting because I saw it firsthand. I was leading a TA team at, at a tech company and 
we were bringing in software engineers at levels that we had never seen during the end of 2020 and 2021. And then when yeah. projects started to fall off, there was such a high cost with the software engineers that we did end up doing layoffs, which we couldn't imagine a year before because we couldn't find any, right? So we went from a phase yeah. of not finding any to laying them off when we could. But that's really insightful. Really appreciate. Reno, thank you for coming on the show. If anyone wants to get a hold of you or find out more about Wiseful, what's the best way? If you want to hang out and just chat with me or reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn. I am on there all day, most days, not all day, but <laughs> I do <laughs> check LinkedIn all the time. Yeah, uh, I post a lot of content. So feel free to connect with me there. And then if uh, anyone wants to shoot me a note just to learn more about Wiseful, I try to be as available as possible to prospective customers or anyone who just wants to chat about what we're doing in the creator economy slash recruiting space. Uh, you can just reach me at reno at wiseful.co. And I will try to get back to you as soon as I can. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. And I uh, hope to get you again when you launch your new product next year. Yeah, we'll let you know. Thanks, Serge. Enjoy Perfect. chatting with you. Thank you. Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rec. TXT.com. Mention the recruitment flex and get 10% off annual plans. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years' experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.